So I was reading this old journal that I had this morning. I almost forgot that I had it because I left it at my uncle's house for a long time. It was in a box there, and I left it there. When I drove up north after having left your house, David, and my idea was I'll just have this backpack full of stuff and a single box of keepsakes. It was actually labeled the Nostalgia Box, Corey's Nostalgia, even, because I changed my name to Corey for a while there, as you know. And I got that box when I went back up north a little while ago having like forgotten what I put in there because I, I purged pretty heavily. I, I took pictures of a lot of stuff, but um, there were a couple things that I, that I kept, including a journal that I had. And I read the last entry in one of these journals. It's like a stack of journals now that I've been doing on and off since I was 18 or 17. Anyway. It was the last entry in this black moleskin, because of course it's a moleskin. And in this entry, I concluded with something like, I'm, I'm going to leave this job out of, a, out of a sense of not courage, but curiosity. I had, I had said to myself, like, this is something that I can do. Obviously, this is not a totally irresponsible thing for me to do. Like, I've got plenty of savings. Um, I, I have some kind of plan for what I'm going to do. And I can make it for a couple of years if I need to with, like, no extra income or anything like that. So it's like, okay, obviously I need to go try this. I'm only going to have maybe one or two chances ever to go do something like this. Not quite true, but that's what I rationalized at the time. And I also said, like, well, if I... If I do the early retirement thing and just quit the job after I'm after I am comfortable at my early retirement number in scare quotes, then I won't be I won't be hungry enough to like actually try to put something together to put some kind of business together. Um, so that's what that journal entry reminded me of. It reminded me of that state of mind that I was in. Um, in January 2017 and I said that I concluded it with like with that well the last line was paraphrasing I promise it'll leave this job in three months and I I remember closing the journal and like standing up from this leather um, chair that I was sitting on in this guy's waiting room I was I was renting a room from this guy and like part of it was his business that wasn't open yet it was like 730 in the morning I remember standing up from that chair, like nodding my head and saying like, and taking a, a breath in and saying like, all right, I feel good about this. I didn't say that, but I thought that. And oh, how wrong I was. And I'd find out a couple months later that maybe like eight months later, it started to dawn on me that I was a fucking idiot. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Hey everybody, welcome to the Machination Log. I've got Matt again after a year of not having Matt. We're, uh, we're back to having Matt's made on the podcast. Matt, you were uh, around here. I will probably stick that blurb at the front. It doesn't really make any sense to leave it out. This is a post-mortem or anti-whatever antigenesis 
podcast, one or the other. Sure. It's it's either the death of your independent career or the birth of your approach to uh, your reapproach to sanity. And the it's a little bit of large. both, but let's let's be optimistic and say it's a rebirth. Yeah, um, I mean, you have the floor. Start with you. You you already had the. Uh, we we just talked about this journal entry, which sort of details the initiation, but. In the first month after you finally decided to quit, do you have any recollection or did you journal what the feeling was like on your way to being free in a way that I assume you hadn't felt previously? Like, the kind of freedom that you had is something that a lot of people will go their entire lives without feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, because even by the time you hit retirement, generally people retire and they're completely burnt out and not ready to do anything. Your your position was quite a bit different from that. Yeah, I had a feeling. I, I don't know if I journaled um, explicitly. I, like this journal that I just talked about actually wrapped up with that last entry that I just described. So I think that I stopped journaling there for a while, at least in that physical form. I may have continued writing, but my point is that I, I haven't recently read any of the entries that I made um, just after quitting. However, the exception is I remember writing a blog post on my blog that's now been obliterated from existence. Well, actually, I think I still have it saved on my computer, but anyway, it's not public right now. And I, I wrote a blog post called Freedom Monday. And it was about the Monday right after I had quit the job. So it's like, otherwise, if I still had it, I'd be going into work that day. But instead, don't have to anymore because I'm free now and isn't that great and anyway I'm not like totally burnt out on that job well mm, let me rephrase that I don't have that same kind of burnout that you were just describing that somebody aged 65 or 67 now is the official retirement age might have yeah people who are collecting social security checks mm-hmm. and are mostly just trying to be on vacation for the rest of their lives yeah even yeah. in the first month after you i i forget what the exact chronology was the time between when you uh that's right you went you went rogue you uh i mean you had an element at the time so you had a vehicle <laughs> that was reasonably good at nomadic life yeah and, and i didn't jump right into like okay here's here's my first weekend off now it's Monday again. I'm going to start working on that business that I've been thinking about making. And it's, it sounds like such a joke to call it a business, but whatever. Uh, that's That was the dream at that point. Sure. And that's like how I was treating it at that point. Well, how I would end up treating it about a month down the road from that quitting in April. Um, but for the first month, I was like, all right. There's there's no rush to get into this. I'm going to actually stay with my family for a little while. And then the the ultimate destination was to get down to your house. That is where we are right now. Um, I was in Pennsylvania, New Jersey. I was kind of like a transient between like all those different places up there. I had family up there. I was seeing some friends up there. Um, I made my way down to Florida by way of West Virginia. Um let's not talk about West Virginia, but no anyway. relation. Right, right. Exactly. And then a couple of weeks after that, it's like, okay, it's time to get started with this whole, like this whole independent project thing that I've been, tr- that I had been thinking about. The ad hoc vacation was over at that point. That's right. Because I mean, when, when people move, they frequently take vacation days and do something akin to what you did. Sure. So that part isn't necessarily out of the ordinary. Even when you just switch jobs, sometimes that can happen. Mm-hmm. But 
month two is when this act so but I, I still I what did it feel like quite just in that little moment between when you needed to figure out what the rest of your life when you needed to grab for a new rope because you just let go of the previous one um do you have any specific either fond or terrified memories of that definitely wasn't a feeling of terror it was it was a I have fond memories of that time right after I quit the job, especially even on that day. Like the day that I quit my job, I went in having cleaned out my desk the the day prior, and I went in on this really cloudy and ultimately rainy day. Um, I went into the office expecting to uh, essentially just say bye to everybody, like turn in my stuff. And I, I drove to the nearby park and started pouring down rain and I just like, I took a walk through this park. I, it was this really big park and I'm by myself because not only is it a weekday, but it's also pouring down rain. So I'm like the only car in this parking lot. And I take a walk through this big park and I let, and, and I've got my, my like um, rain jacket on, my boots on and stuff like that. And I just walk out into this park and I, I remember like smiling and thinking like, yes i did this and i was i was really happy with myself and like i remember looking up at the sky and like the rain hitting my face and it's like yeah i just did this and i can do anything i felt this sense of like um agent i i felt responsible for myself i felt like like this this power i want to come back to that once we get farther into this story because yeah. i think that i think that specific feeling is kind of important here but so now it's month two the honeymoon is over uh -huh. you're down here um you move into one of the two rooms here i assume it has it hasn't changed it's been that room the whole time hasn't it yeah i moved yeah. into into the uh, northernmost room yeah you've had that room now in some capacity for has it been a year and a half i'm terrible with time um, so this, I moved into your place in May 2017. Right now it's August. Um, so so just it, it, it would be a, just a little over a year, but I actually left your place for a little while to go to Budapest. Well, we will definitely and, and come we'll back talk to about that. that too. Yeah. yeah so so I, I, I went there for something like three months. Um, and then I came back. Yeah. So that was, um, November that I left your place I hung out with my family up north for most of November and then finally in December I made my way over to Europe yeah we we can come back to that yeah, but chronologically but I just up. I just wanted to I just wanted a better visualization of how long this yeah. uh, this particular saga has been going on because one of the things you did in that month um, and you were still deliberating it when you came down here mm -hmm. was uh, what your name was going to be because you had decided in addition to freeing yourself of employment you were going to free yourself of your birth name I've been thinking about this for a while um, I, I used to have a problem with the name Matt for a couple of different reasons and I was like well I'm having this transition time now so why not like really mark it as the transition by changing my name and I finally decided on going with my middle name, Corey. So I had my Corey phase, and it started when I moved into your place. Yeah, and this was this was a rather perpetual joke that I would 
I breach wherever <laughs> necessary because you were known by most of the friend. I mean, most most of the friends I hang out with down here in Orlando are high school and middle school friends, yeah. and they knew you as Matt. So when I tell them that, it it only makes sense if you connect the dots um, that Matt uh, clearly did something horrible in Pennsylvania. Um, you yep. you quit your job, mm-hmm. you laid low for a month, changed yes. your name, and then moved in with me. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so that, that that story checks out. But in any case, <laughs> so you reversed on that. We'll get to we'll get to we'll get to that part of it in a little bit. But so at this point, you're now Corey. So uh, yeah. So so once I move into your place in June 2017, I think one of the first things that I said to you when I walked up, when I met you on your doorstep, was. Hi, I'm Corey. Yeah. Yeah. How much do you think that actually mattered now that you have the entire spectrum of events surrounding it basically concluded? Um, the, the, the story would have been pretty similar had I not done that, I think. But it was just one more like symbolic way for me to to for me to discard like whatever I had in the past and to like embrace something new. Um, but it was it it was not essential. Had I not made that change to Corey, I don't think things would have been that much different. I'm just curious because it's it's one of the most obvious outward facing things that you did mm-hmm. and certainly one of the most obnoxious because oh, yeah. everybody had to anyone could just walk up to you and say how are you doing and you could say oh well I I quit my entirely stable profitable job <laughs> to go do something crazy and that puts no additional psychic burden on them but calling you Corey yeah absolutely does so that's that's like the one element that uh, it, it stands out obviously in social circles. Well, listen, the name Matt is just so common, at least for people around my age. So I don't want to share. I have to be unique. <laughs> I'm a snowflake, David. Look, I look, I get it. I yeah. totally understand. So, so I did the math and I found out that like in a group of 30 or 40 people, the name Corey would be like four times less common than the name Matt. So let's go. I'm going to change my name to this less common thing so I don't have to share this name. I bought the logic. Like, I, it made perfect sense to me. So Yeah, but if you're going to do something like that, you should probably change your name to something even less common. You're going to make everybody go through that? Come on. Factor of four decrease? Not good enough. Should have gone with, like, the factor of 40 decrease. Istanbul. I should have named myself Istanbul. That would have worked. Yeah. That would have not worked. You shouldn't have done that. Well. I think Corey was probably... But anyway... It was is, already pretty obnoxious, so I could have just gone for it all the way, but I didn't do it out of out of convenience. <laughs> it was already my name, so I just took that one. Yeah, you just stole the middle name. <laughs> I constantly think about doing something like that because my middle name's Elias, and I like it a lot, but... <laughs> you told me um, after the fact... So I picked you up from the airport one day. This was like a year later after having gone through this entire thing. And I told you that I'd changed my name back to Matt. And I think that during that conversation, or maybe a conversation like a, a day later, you said that you had never changed my name in your cell phone. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, no, I, I didn't change it anywhere. Is but, it is it that you think, is it that you didn't have faith that it would stick? Um, No, it was probably just laziness. I don't tend to. <laughs> I, I just added 
uh, I just added Mal as a contact in my phone. <laughs> She's just been a borderline pseudonymous number uh-huh. for the last bunch of months. Sorry about and that. And you've Mal. known Mal for a while. Yeah. But, but it's like, no, you're, just, ju- you're just so lazy that it's like, I, oh, I'll just use the number. I'm, and that's what that's what worked for you for I'm, a while. I'm really bad at that kind of correspondence. <laughs> that's why I just, that's why I want everybody on Telegram so I don't have to deal with that bullshit. But, uh, because people on Telegram name themselves. Yeah, it's already, it's already taken care of for you. Um, so, but enough about names. Um, month two, mm-hmm. new place, new yeah. look, no income. Um, what do you do? Well, you said that the honeymoon was over at that point, but I didn't feel that way. Okay. Month two, I, I like, I hit the ground running. I was really amped up about whatever it was that I was working on. Um, so I was working on like this new software project. It was called Project Biscuit at that point. Um, I worked on it. I worked on that particular project for like two months, and I remember. I uh, I had set this daily goal or a weekly goal of like amount of time that I would work on this thing, and I remember waking up and like feeling that energy every morning. Like I got to get out of bed and work on this. I'm excited about this, and that feeling lasted for something like three or five months. I was super pumped about it. I felt really good about my decision, and I was I I wanted to make it work. Why did you choose to create an app? Uh seems like a cool thing to do. This is one of those weird things that I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna have to write something excursive about it at some point. There is there's this delusion that surrounds and I mean I granted I'm not I'm not like indicting you specifically, but it, it fits very much into this um, as foreshadowing of what what eventually goes wrong. I don't, I don't mean to claim that I wasn't delusional. I oh think no no I no, was. but I'm I, I'm just hedging my bets both ways. Okay. There is there is a strong, strong misunderstanding about what it takes to create infrastructure in the 20th, let alone the 21st century. Yeah. There's this belief, and it started with nuclear power. It almost certainly started with nuclear power. This, this idea that we invented this bomb that threw essentially no... It's not even that it was no effort. It's that it has this outsized effect for the amount of effort that was put in. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that for the most part, that and now computerization and the internet are just the most heinous lies um, when it comes to understanding the amount of effort things still actually take. We are much more productive than we used to be. Our communication and automation technologies are tremendously more powerful than they used to be. But the internet is the brainchild and constant project of hundreds of massive companies and it's all they do is build out the infrastructure of the internet uh-huh. and computers have absorbed what has to be dozens of trillions of dollars of research and development over the past 30 40 years it it turns out the fact that you can hold the phone in your hand has nothing to do with how what a pain in the ass it is to actually have a phone that does all the things that a phone does. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- the the mere elegance of that solution, or in the case of the nuclear bomb, the Manhattan Project was the largest government thing ever. I believe it still is the largest government thing ever. I mean, they built, they built a city full of scientists, mm-hmm. and it took them 40,000 centrifuges to refine uranium-238 
far enough to make a shitty version of the ICBMs we now think about when we think about nuclear destruction. Um, and not even necessarily in microcosm, the world of the app fits into this. The app gives you the impression that any one person can do this. Because in reality, you totally can, and we'll get we'll go through this. But the mentality that encourages you, that's actually an interesting place to go with this. You you quit your job because you were safe to do so and wanted in some way, you wanted more latitude or more freedom or more liberty than you that you had at the job that you had, however defined. That's a fair assessment. But something encouraged you to take this specific path through it because uh-huh. you were on a track and you are sort of now back on this track of simply taking the paycheck and doing a good job at whatever someone else is willing to pay you for. That's right. And then just stopping completely. Yeah, my option in like five or 15 or whatever years. Yeah, is to is to just not work yourself to death mm-hmm. in the process of doing work for other people. That's it, the plan. Yeah, and that's... It, what derailed that? Who? No, that's that, sorry. That's the wrong way to phrase that. Who inspired you to derail that plan this way? People like Tim Ferriss did. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I think I think it was Tim Ferriss. Um, I was listening to his podcast at that time, and it's like what he said to me was, "All you got to do is limit your downside, and more specifically, you need to." make it so that if it doesn't work out, you can bounce back from this. In other words, you, you have to limit this this idea. Just make sure that you're not going to die if you mess this up. And if you're not going to die, if you can set it up so that you don't die if this messes up, then you'll be fine. And I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I'm going to go and try to put put together whatever kind of project it is. Ultimately, it ended up being that app. Um, and yeah, you'll, you'll be fine even if it doesn't work out. And the reason Tim Ferriss seems to accidentally... Uh, we give Tim Ferriss a lot of shit on this podcast and mm-hmm. even more in personal life... And I think some of it is fair as a direct result even of the qualification I'm about to give. Tim Ferriss's podcast, its pitch is that it is tips and tricks from world-class performers. And the problem is that Tim interviews no one except top world-class performers. Mm-hmm. And these people have way more in common than you're led to believe. I mean, a lot of them have quote-unquote humble roots, sure. But... To a man slash woman, they're all absurdly lucky. And they all have businesses, like, they a couple of them. He has an episode where he interviews a handful of one-man operations. I think they're all one-man operations. I don't think that one's... I think that one was expressly gendered for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. But um, where automation has managed to procure tremendous amounts of wealth for this handful of people. But the thing is... No matter how many hundreds of people Tim Ferriss can interview, he's still only been interviewing a couple hundred people. That's right. So it's it's just a podcast full of outliers. Yeah, it's like the lottery winner that gets up on stage and says to everybody, just keep buying lottery tickets. Eventually, you'll hit it big. Yeah, it worked out for you. Mm-hmm. And that's that's so tempting. Because when you take, and this is, this is the magic of Tim Ferriss, this is why I... I understand that he is, on some level, he is a semi-altruistic salesman. 
and but his sales pitch is much stronger than his altruism most days. Mm-hmm. And the way that he gets to you with this, I mean, I have one of his books on my shelf over here because Tools of Titans is full of really easy to implement practical advice from people who implemented and it doesn't seem to destroy their lives, um, whether it's responsible for them becoming billionaires or whatever metric of success they use, that's harder to say. But the the gateway is the little stuff, like don't eat breakfast or <laughs> meditate. Just yes. these, because anybody can do those. The thing they can't do is have a degree from Stanford and all of the friends that come with that mm-hmm. and have a background where, I mean, it's the, num- the number of people who seem to not talk about their past quite enough to get a full story out of it when Tim invites them on the podcast is highly suspect. And it is because a lot of these people, as and it, you took the right message away, I mean, Tim's not wrong, you should figure out how to not die when you take risks because ultimately risk-taking is extremely important for success. And the way that you get to take more risks is that you don't fail so completely as to ruin yourself by taking risks. But I had a, I had a path to success that didn't have any risk. I could have just stay, I, I could have remained on the path that I was on, the regular safe career path, and I could have been successful that way. But someone or something or some set of people if we stick to the podcast mm-hmm. was luring you away from that yeah yeah i i what i was feeling pushed away from the job that i was in because i i didn't want to become um like what i like a lot of what i saw around me at the old office i i saw a lot of discontent there and i was like is this what i want for myself i answered no and I, and I said, okay, well, what are we going to do about this? Something. I have to try something. So I left. Sure. And you, you followed the example of the, <laughs> the small crowd of seemingly happy individuals that you were listening <laughs> yeah. to. Yeah, but, but the weird thing is that I already had my own way to get away from that. Um, all it would have taken is just a couple more years of dedicated adherence to an enhanced savings plan. And I could have had that, but I, I was impatient and I said, no, I need to go act now. I need to take massive action now so I don't become like this. Because what if I, I slip from this conviction that I have to like actually be frugal and save? Like, what if I slip away from that? Sure. Um, thankfully, that doesn't seem to have afflicted you, although I guess we'll, uh, we'll see as you as this story continues um but so that's so that's the motivation is you had you you had at least momentary if not some sort of systemic discontent with the situation around you and so you took an alternate path that again was not irresponsible you described it as a form of curiosity and i think that's i think that's totally appropriate and i think if it wasn't sort of billboarded or implied for all the stress that you went through in all of this, it didn't seem rash to me. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it definitely, it was ill-conceived on a marketing level. I also agree with that. But, I mean, it, it's not, I mean, it has not ruined your life. Um, yeah. I was, I, I agree <laughs> with that. My tone of voice changed, though, because it seemed for a little while like it might actually have ruined my life. 
um, so so when I got back from Budapest, um, so so let let's go back to the story. Yeah, let's, let's go back, let's to, go back to the story. Sorry, I was, so, that no, was no, no, a that, that's out fine. Of the way. That was that was important. But but the reason I said that just now, like I think I I thought it almost did ruin my life, is because when I got back from Budapest, okay, let's not even touch Budapest yet. Let's go to like I don't know November. Let's go to November 2017. And at that point, I had been working on Biscuit. I scrapped Biscuit and then started on Habit Test. And I was which, for those who don't know, Habit Test is a is a platform for tracking behaviors and in, incorporating some degree of social accountability for those behaviors because they're publicly visible. That's right. That's right. That's that that was my app. Um, so I worked. I was working on Habit Test for several months, and sometime around let's call it September or so I was starting to lose faith in myself I was starting to to think that I was an idiot for having even tried this um, even though I knew that on some level that was not true and that I had taken a calculated risk and therefore wasn't a total idiot yeah still maybe a little bit of an idiot idiot but not a total idiot um, I I was losing faith in the whole in in the whole setup so I went to Budapest to like try and rejuvenate myself or whatever. It's like, okay, I got to capitalize on this ability to be free that I gave myself. So what better place to do that in Eastern Europe? Yeah. Uh, okay. Anyway. I, I it was there. either that or Southeast Asia. Could have gone just, there too. Yeah. yeah. Um, both places are relatively inexpensive to go. They're pretty cool. Um, but anyway, I went there, went to Budapest or Budapest and still felt there like I, I continued to work on habit tests there but things didn't really improve for me so much I still felt like like kind of dumb for for doing this whole thing and I cut the trip prematurely um, I, I was expecting to stay abroad for probably at least six months but I, I left and came back to Florida after about three months or came back to the United States after about three months and I tried to continue working on it at that point but then i said i i can't do this like i, I went to go work on habit test one day sat down on my computer and instead of getting to work i just put my head in my hands and i was like this is not working i can't do this and that was essentially the end of it what did fail what were the pain points? How many things would have to have been different for this to succeed? Um, the biggest failure, I think, was a failing of faith in myself to get it done. Um, not only that, though. It, it, well, it, it was a failure of the faith in myself to get it done, but that was because I knew the odds were were stacked against me so heavily sure but th that that's a self-reinforcing point yes exactly like that's that's a self-fulfilling prophecy like if you don't believe that you're going to do it it's much less likely that you will be able to do it you probably aren't going to be able to do it even if you think you can do it but if you don't think you can do it you're almost assured that it's not going to happen yeah i mean i was i was watching this from the and i i don't want to I definitely don't want to hog too much spotlight other than to say that I'm glad that I, I, I'm perversely glad that this still failed in Budapest because I was under the impression that the state that I was in through the entirety of 2017 was contributing 
to the degree to which you couldn't motivate yourself, the number of days that you were forcing yourself mm -hmm. to work for a finite amount of time because that was all the time you could give yourself. Yeah. Well, we, we had a podcast that touched on that briefly. Yeah, it was, it was the podcast where, where we like debriefed on the whole Budapest thing. Um, yeah. That was in March or something. Now, that was another mistake that I made in the whole process, though. Like, I, I, if, if I had <laughs> set up my environment to, like, more easily delude myself into thinking that I could succeed by, like, surrounding myself with other crazily motivated people, I know they exist, they're probably in San Francisco or something like that. Mostly, yeah. If, if I had put myself in an environment like that, maybe I, I would have, like, been able to delude myself for longer that maybe it would work. And maybe it actually could have worked. Probably not, but if I wanted to succeed on this, it may have been um, to my benefit to surround myself with such deluded people. So let's call that a bedrock reason. But the reason, what, what are the reasons why you are deluding yourself about the possibility of success here? Because I don't think they are entirely vague i mean sure every business has a relatively small chance of taking off and mm -hmm. being fully sustainable unless it's in a very foundational field of labor um but there were things specific to the way you were doing this that whether or not you were capable of solving them yourself uh, made it much more difficult and one of those was location i mean if you were in san francisco i think that would have made a difference for other reasons um, not least of which being that you could have found someone else to work with. I don't want to share. <laughs> I want to be by myself, man. Like I said, maybe you can't. Maybe you can't personally fix these or get over these particular yeah, problems. I, I don't mean to claim that that would have been the right approach, but <laughs> that's that was my attitude. Yeah. Well, and it's. It turns out this is where I was coming from with the with my rant about how expensive technology actually is. Mm -hmm. Is that no one. No one makes an app by themselves. Like, that's just not, that's just not how it's done. The only apps, and we went through this, this was a process, I mean, I was trying to help you with like the brainstorming part of this in months two and three, and I just, I, I apparently, in retrospect, I did an absolutely atrocious job because I found what might be the most important thing if you were going to try to turn this into a business model at some mm -hmm. point. Uh, month seven, month eight, this was after the podcast where you were, where you opine that you were you were trying to find something that you care about, yeah. which which also I'm I'm finally remembering we did do a podcast on that. Um, in the week after that happened, I realized that I am your target audience, and I'm privy to extremely powerful market research on this because no one downloads apps like I do. <laughs> so if anybody was going to have an app mm -hmm. like Habit Test on their phone, it was going to be me. Because I'm the person, if you look at the charts, like 60%, even on Apple's ecosystem, which Apple is absolutely, uh, if, if you're trying to sell an app, you pretty much have to sell it on Apple because yeah. Apple users are the ones who pay money for things. Um, and 60% of people with Apple merchandise don't buy an app every month or don't download an app every month and i absolutely do i cycle through the every time i get a new phone i try a bunch of new stuff to see if anything sticks yeah and you know i'm because I, I like to experiment with that kind of stuff. so so we just opened my phone and just looked at all the apps that i had and saw if any of them match the form of habit test 
And the only apps that look like they were built by small teams of one to four are things that attach to larger apps. Uh So if I was not, for functional reasons, in the target audience of this thing, there was absolutely no way it was going to succeed. Like, because who would have known about it? Who would have cared about it enough to actually go after it? You would need a team. You need a team to either market it or it is mostly marketing on some level. Yeah, and I thought that I could be that entire team. Yeah. And and I was I was wrong. I mean, and that's... I'm sure you're in a team... What... I don't even know what order of magnitude to use, but I feel safe saying tens of thousands of people believe that. Uh-huh. Because yeah, that seems about right to me as well. Because the startup costs are super cheap. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. An Apple Kit license or whatever the hell they're calling it nowadays is a hundred dollars a year, and as long as you have a piece of Macintosh software that you can throw macOS on, you have a fully functional IDE, and you can do. I I know this because I did this. Uh-huh. <laughs> I did this on roughly the same timeline that you did. Um, yeah, but you took a more responsible approach and actually had a job too. <laughs> I mean, sure, sure. It was it was responsible in a couple of ways, but not nearly enough yeah. ways yeah, to and, to make and, it successful either. And you were working on an app actually for Apple devices, whereas my thing was just a, a crappy web app. Oh, I, I mean, I was just using that as an example. The, yeah. the, the thing was, if you, if you were going to try to turn it into money, yeah. it was going to need to be an app at some point. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. so, so near the end, I was, I was putting together a native app for phones. Um, like I, I was starting to look into actually changing the web app over into something that could be used on mobile devices. But that's where the whole thing just petered out. Yeah. And I could no longer, I could no longer motivate myself to to move forward. That's that's after I put my head in my hands that day. Yeah. And so with that, you began the job hunt again. No, I didn't. No, no, I began several months of playing FTL. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> it was ch- it was nice of you to say that, but <laughs> but no. Um, and and that's why a couple minutes ago I said. Actually, my life may have been ruined, and I, I was getting worried that maybe, maybe things were headed like unreconcilably. It was headed downhill. Yeah, and I couldn't change that. Oh, it was it was pretty dire there. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I was certainly not in a position to uh, be an uplifting force at the time either. FTL is is a video game, by the way. Yeah, FTL. Anyone listening to this podcast should know FTL is great faster than light i don't know if it's as great as matt's about to make it sound when he describes what he was doing with it but uh, i'm not i'm not gonna t- i'm not gonna talk about ftl here okay yeah well to make a long story short i've been playing ftl since it came out and i'm pretty sure matt's played it more than i have now yeah it came out in 2012 yeah i will talk about it a little bit it came out in 2012 david played it a lot and then i played it more yeah in 2018 <laughs> quite a bit more <laughs> um but so that was that was your way, and I, I we don't necessarily need to harp on this because this is this seems like a common enough experience. The you know is my life gonna pull out of this tailspin? Oh God, millennial employment type bullshit. Uh-huh. For the most part, that I, I, were there any was there anything specific to the flavor of it? B- given that you were an actuary, um, 
quote unquote fallen from grace the way that you were approaching it <laughs> i mean this is and this is the thing the, the closest i could give you to motivation during this time was that you're the the degree to which you were looking at this situation through the lens of an absolutely like hostile recruiter who is just gonna twist everything you say the wrong way uh-huh. your story made perfect sense to me i mean it was you you quit your job you were not fired you quit your job you spent a year total experimenting with doing a thing and there's physical proof that it existed because Habitest was a functional piece of software yeah. i mean i used it for a month or so that's right um it's not it it's not like it was complete vaporware so you were doing something during that time yeah yeah so, something like 45 people ended up using it like i was the marketing team for a while i got my marketing strategy was <laughs> send private messages to people on reddit I eventually got kicked off Reddit. I got banned from Reddit. Um, But anyway, I got a bunch of people to use it during that time. And a lot of people seem to be enjoying it. Like, Like a couple of people seem to be making positive changes with it like through habit tests and I was pretty happy with that no I wish I wish it was the kind of thing I could actually use I just mm-hmm. have never found anything I yeah. can use yeah, well uh, the other thing that I was wondering the whole time is like habit test is not backed up by any kind of scientific research like it was just this plan that worked out for me pretty well I don't even well when I say that it worked out for me I meant like this was the kind of system, this a- accountability for good habits thing was the kind of system that ended up getting me to go to bed on time, getting me to like eat more healthily. So yeah. so that worked for me, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good thing for many people. It just means that it worked for me. Sure. The Tim Ferriss types. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that played a non-insignificant role in why you chose to do that well yeah like i I was like oh it works for me so it's gonna work for everybody gotta make this thing i gotta make it happen and i also wanted to make it just so i could continue to benefit from that kind of infrastructure i mean there was not there was there wasn't really a similar offering on the market like so so tailored to the way that I liked to do it, uh, that I like to do the social accountability for habits thing. So I was like, well, I'll just make it myself so I can use it. And then maybe some other people will like it too. Yeah, no, that's, that's when I was working on NF1. Mm -hmm. I, um, or whatever its code name was at the time. I don't, that can't possibly be an NDA thing anymore. Um, it, um, I did the Tim Ferriss quote thing of scratching your own itch. Yeah. So you have an audience of one. I mean, N of one was a method for it was also a tracking app on on some dimension. It was less it was less oriented toward accountability and consequences and more yeah. just a way to more effectively um catalog and understand data in your life in whatever form it takes uh-huh. um and the, the point of it was that it's more open than the way almost every app this is my problem with fitness in general i promise this rant will be short because it's off topic a little bit but it's the the problem with a lot of the app infrastructure of or the the ecosystem of apps is that they are very very specific in what they do like when you install the uh is it nike fit is that the name? What's the Fitbit? Is that? Oh, I don't know. Whatever. They're, whatever Whatever fitness programs. Mm-hmm. Those the, the things those things track are so limited because they know the vast majority of people are not going to stick with them long enough unless it is just <laughs> steps, 
unless because people people won't even tell the app what food they eat. Uh-huh. Like they, we understand that people don't like reporting things on themselves and will more than gladly lie about it. So it's they don't design apps with that in mind. But every once in a while, I I want to be given the benefit of the doubt and to be allowed to do that. So yeah. And that's what N of one was the, the project yeah. that you were working on. And Habit Test is very similar. Habit Test had a couple of suggestions about things that you could try out as habits, but mm. I mean, those were all short form answer boxes. Yeah, you could write whatever you want in those boxes, and I did. Yeah, um, yeah. it was. Uh, and again, it's not. It it is an idea that has valence, but it's just very very hard to know what it would take. I mean, certainly Facebook, Twitter, and the rest of them are not trying anything like it. They don't. They they see no reason to be that open ended about the way that things function. So what what to make an open forum answer box? To, yeah, to be that open about it. I mean, they'll let you put anything in the posts you want, but mm-hmm. the format of the posts and the you know there's there's stuff about it that there's more than enough complaining about this on the internet. Anyway, again, this is this is getting off topic because it's an easy thing to complain about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so so Habitest ultimately failed, but you got a handful of things out of it. I'm going to let you describe what they are, and I'm going to see if I came up with any that you didn't think about. <laughs> um, one of the main things I got out of Habitest was the idea that all the things that I learned up through age 28, maybe they were all just wrong. Maybe everything was wrong. <laughs> you got to discard everything you learned, Matt or Corey or whoever you are. Put yourself back together, and that's where I am now. Like I, I'm assuming that many of the things that I thought before were just wrong, and I'm I'm trying to like rebuild myself at this point. Do you have any that stand out in particular? Um, well, for example, just the whole idea behind habitus. Like I, I don't know that keeping that that the level of persistence that I was requiring of myself and everybody that was using habit test is the right way to approach life. Like, should it be so strict that you have to go to bed every night at 9.30? Or whatever time, like pick a time. Should it be so strict? Or should you, like, actually have some latitude and be able to choose hey, maybe tonight I'll go to bed at 11.30. Is that more healthy? Maybe. Before I thought like, no, you you have to keep doing the same thing every day because that's what you said you were going to do, so you'd better do it. I no longer know that that's right. That kind of dogma. You definitely, you you switched along that track. I've I've talked about this, I know for a fact, in our our little, our our diaries from the months before you moved down here. you are dis- you, you were a disciplinarian i mean maybe you maybe you have successfully come down off this far enough that you can disavow that i it seemed like you were resisting the title for a while but i think some of that was just false modesty cuz it's very hard to call yourself disciplined it's just like it cuz you never feel like you're doing enough to qualify um no i have an easy time with it i was a disciplinarian i was good at it yeah yeah, I could go to bed on time every night. I remember like 
like if I was about to miss my bedtime, I'd start rushing through my routine. I'd even brush my teeth for only like 15 seconds some nights, like, oh man, I'm gonna miss the bedtime deadline. Better get in bed right now. I was very self-disciplined at that point. Okay. Because you weren't willing to admit that at face value at the time. Wasn't I? Okay, no, well, I, I don't. I don't think so. I will now. Yeah. Okay. I was great. So, so now, <laughs> so now things are different. Um, so that's one. Mm-hmm. Is that everything's wrong? What else came? What else came of spending a uh, spending a year abroad, so to speak? Well, the logic was sound. Like you and I have discussed here, that the the logic was sound. I, I was being, although risky. I wasn't doing it in an irresponsible way. So in other words, even though I was taking that risk, I wasn't going to die. You had the money. Yeah, I had the money saved up. And I I had a plan for like, okay, even if this fails, I'm going to be okay. Um, But it turns out that that was a flawed argument. Maybe. The the reason I'm saying that is because like, I, I was headed for the last several months downhill maybe in a way that i could never come back from and like like this whole notion we'll we'll come back to tim ferris right now of limiting your downside i thought that i did but i was i was scared for a little while that maybe i was not going to be able to bounce back from that um so so yeah like like even i guess the bottom line is that even though i thought i was being safe Maybe I wasn't being safe. This was one of the strange points that I know uh, we we've discussed before at length. So I'll be I'll try to once again be terse about it. Uh, we we read our versions of this kind of self help in different orders. Mine was John Acuff first. Mm-hmm. So and John Acuff is a strong proponent of keeping your day job. Yeah, <laughs> um, and that's the form of risk aversion you did not take. Yeah, and that's that's because I didn't that, need to. Like like yeah. my argument was that I didn't need to do that. Like John Acuff, the author of Do Over, says like, well, you got you should keep your day job because like you've got to keep putting food on the table. I could I was continuing to put food on my table no matter what. Yeah, and I, I didn't have like familiar responsibilities or anything. I didn't have to feed people, so like that was fine. And in that sense, I could have quit my job, and I did. Yeah, absolutely. But that is that is if I were to have done what you do. And in some sense, on that axis, I am doing that. Mm-hmm. Because even though I don't expect anything that I'm doing around this house to be profitable, um, I also wouldn't mind doing it for a living. Yeah. I just don't know that that's worth the risk. So I'm not taking it. Yeah. And, and you, you can do both things. Yeah. You've I have plenty of time to do both. Yeah. I've got, I have the resources to, to cover those things on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, my job is nice that way. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, now that you are back into the world of actuarial science, you did actually manage to get a man, you, you found a manager. I don't know how many people you actually applied to. Feel free to not answer that question. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you did you did convince someone to take you back um despite this total disgrace in the middle of your 20s yeah um, and that's that's the reason that we're having this conversation right now like I, I wouldn't be able to have this conversation 
if I hadn't gotten another job because I'd still be wallowing this shame that I've been in for the last several months. Oh, well, the, so, lessons, so I, the lessons would be very different if you were still unemployed. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, we, we learned something in this, which is that there is a degree of redemption beyond what seems immediately obvious. Mm-hmm. I mean, because your worst case scenario looked like it was unfolding for yeah. most of earlier this year. Yeah, that, that's right. Like, I... I I was only able to get the job um, because, like, during some of these... So, so the last several months are kind of, like, a blur, and frankly, the, the last several months feel like they've gone by extremely fast. Like, I, I still feel like last month was, like, April or something like that. Um, you played a lot of FTL. Yeah, I, 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 I stayed in bed a lot. I played a lot of video games. I went ice skating a few times, and I just, like, didn't do anything. Like, like I, I quit the job last year, and then I gave myself another job. But then after that, like, a, after having given up in March, and just, like, putting Habitest into this mode of, like, I'm barely going to touch it, I'm just going to, like, fix bugs on it, and just, like, reply to a couple emails. Like, that, that was all I was doing with Habitest beyond March. I was still working on it, but, like, in that very limited capacity. It was maintenance mode. It was just maintenance mode at that point. So after so anyway that time passed extremely quickly i was i was depressed i was like playing video games eating a lot of ice cream sleeping a lot it was bad like as you say like the worst case scenario or one of them was unfolding yeah and misery loves company so i was doing jack shit to help you there but um I was, yeah, it yeah. was, it's been a I, I, pretty rough. I, I know, I know that I was pulling you down too. Like that's, that's what I was doing. And, oh, I, and I don't feel good about how I affected you. I, I don't know the weight, the weight of your situation in terms of it's like general impression upon me. It's, it's not a function of not caring about what was happening to you, but the gravity of the shit that I was dealing with while you were going through this, it sucked that I couldn't help you more with it because it really kind of sucked on my side too um yeah it it was it was just 20 early 2018 was a bad time Uh it was just not great (laughs) um yeah yeah you uh you and i were talking about this video game ftl a couple weeks ago and you were like you you told me that you wanted to reach out like matt stop playing ftl you want (laughs) you told me that you wanted to say that oh yeah but then you said that you thought who am I to say such a thing to? <laughs> yeah, no, it was not. I was not in a position to say something <laughs> like that at the time. Yeah, I was. I was sitting there watching you and wondering, maybe I could. I could probably find a game to do this with. I did not. I did not do that. <laughs> so it's like you and I are both on the battlefield, both of us having our, our lower legs like blown off, and we're like trying to help each other out, but. Yeah, it's like we can't do anything. Yeah, we're both at the bottom of this pit, and we're yeah. just waiting for enough blood to get in here so that we can like float up <laughs> to the surface. But the um, but no. So I just instead, you know, I I would lean over and I'd see you playing FTL, and I would I would have this wash of contempt and mm-hmm. total indignation and inability to do anything, and I would go back to having writer's block right next to you. <laughs> Just, just attempting to type nothing whatsoever for oh months. Oh my god. Not a good time. No. But I would say that's pretty much entirely over now. I hope so. Um I'm I'm not because I, of you how just long started this, your new job. So true. yeah. Yeah, I'm one week into this and 
Although I, I'm, I want to like declare victory, I'm hesitant to because of how many months that I've been in this funk. Um, like I, odds are pretty good that things are going to look up now, but things got much worse than I was expecting that they could be. So I, I just wonder like, like, is this, I'm hesitant to, de to declare victory. Sure. That's all. Sure. There is one other interesting lesson that I feel like if you haven't pondered it enough from Abatest, you did spend about in the FTL void, you spent a handful of months in a frame of mind where you were basically retired on the level of having just quit the other job. I mean, you were covering Habitest and you were sending out applications and you were doing work on the ASA. Like you were you were keeping up appearances in that regard, but that was not occupying anywhere near the lion's share of your time. Yeah. And you chose under some degree of emotional duress, so that's understandable, but the thing that you went to was video games. Mm-hmm. And the weird, ominous, borderline existential question that raises is what you will do when you get this hyper savings early retirement thing back on track. Well, one of the reasons that I went to video games was because I wouldn't have to expose myself. Like I, I could just I could hang out in my bedroom and not show my, my shame ridden face to the world. Like video games, FTL in particular, was my retreat. What was like a way to just to just pave over myself. So you're asking right now, like like what would I do if I were actually retired early? Like if I had if I actually am able to to save enough to retire at like forty or something like that. Like w will I do the same thing? Will I just revert to a life of video games? Is that right? Is that what yeah. you're asking me? Yeah. Um, I, I think, I, I'd like to think that things would be different if I could actually get to that point. Like, if I could get to a point of, like, I'm demonstrate. I can point to my situation and say, hey, world, guess what? Like, like here's why I can be retired right now if I retire early at, like, 40. And say, here's how things are going to work out. Like, I don't need to do any more work. I'm good. Let me just work on whatever now something more productive than video games like what could i do when actually retire retiring i could like go get a sailboat i could go renovate a sailboat and like sail around the eastern seaboard for like three years or something like that or like just flip houses just because like that's something that i don't know how to do right now and it seems like it would be fun to do could be fun to do sure or like i don't know do something like the peace corps just go do that um so my point is that I don't think that I would revert to video games if I if I actually got myself enough savings to retire early. I don't think that. Maybe it would still happen anyway, because I don't know how these things would unfold. But I think that I'd do something more productive than just play FTL all day. Okay. I mean, as long as as long as you are you're satisfied with with believing that there was emotional duress and it's I, i'm not questioning whether or not that's well i i guess i'm yeah. lit, i'm literally questioning i'm not doubting yeah, your answer yeah. to that question it's just uh, you got to a point with your old job where the oppression of the work overshadowed anything that was occurring in the background of that work 
um, because a lot of people put up with very, very shitty jobs under the impetus of what that allows them to do when they are off. Uh-huh. And if you don't cultivate that now, I'm only fearful of what will happen when you attempt to unleash yourself free of concern, mm-hmm. but lacking lacking that carrots the wrong metaphor. But I understand. You know, you know what I, I mean. I, I understand, and that's that's a really good point. And one of the the mistakes I think that I made when working at my old job that led me to do this whole experiment in the first place. Like I, I didn't have a life outside of work, or, or I didn't have a sufficient life outside of work, and and I just let myself be stressed out, and and I let myself get, I, I let myself go insane to the extent that I needed to leave. Well, I think I think also to drag Tim Ferriss's corpse back into this for the like fifth time. Um, I think part of your life, and I can relate to this intimately, um, was was an obsession with the reason why you had the job in the first place. Your life revolved around saving money and retiring Mm -hmm. as if that was the goal. And that's, it's ironic to call it, to describe it that way because we so frequently, when people, people say they're not even going to be able to retire, Mm -hmm. that treats retirement as the goal as opposed to whatever you're supposed to do in retirement. It doesn't, it's not reductive enough. I don't Mm -hmm. think, um, and an obsession with being able to save enough money and optimizing your lifestyle so that you can retire as rapidly as possible without having a reason to retire seems in itself to be a problem. No, don't worry about it, David, because I can just figure that out when I retire. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. That's good. But that's no, the thing. No, that, uh, it drives ser- you insane serious, in the though. interim, though. Be- being serious, though, it's a, it's a very valid concern and one that I frankly haven't thought enough about. Well, like, and, I, I, I just have thought, like, okay, I'll just find my happy ending later. Like, I'll figure this out later. But you raise an excellent point. Like, maybe you won't. And, and as we both observed with me, m- one of the risks for myself is to just, like, retreat to video games and waste my life. Yeah. Oh, well, and I'm, and again, I'm not, I'm trying not to be preachy here because this is a quandary that I have to deal with. Mm-hmm. I've been in the camp, I've listened to most of Tim Ferriss's podcasts. I've followed a lot of self help, self help type people. Mm-hmm. Um, not because I was in any form of desperation, but because a lot of what they say is, is actually very useful and parsing through it does have benefits but one of the problems is that if you save money and time and resources without knowing why they will drive you insane like because they're not an end in themselves they're not the reason they are not intrinsically valuable yeah but my argument the whole time i was doing it was i can just figure this out later i've got to get this right now because there's no other opportunity to get this right well, there will be, but waiting is not going to be productive when I finally figure that out. So the more important thing is not to figure out what I'm going to do with the retirement, but rather to set myself up for that retirement as soon as possible. I don't know whether that's a valid argument, but that was the argument that I was living by. Yeah, I've, I've described this in the past that we, we have both created the absolutely immaculate marble foundation <laughs> on which to place absolutely nothing yeah, my, my marble foundation is a little bit marred now but yeah that's that's what what we were doing yeah and that is sort of the fight of this podcast is to 
stop doing that <laughs> and actually put something on yeah it. put something on yeah. that foundation because yeah. it can be done now it doesn't take 40 hours a week like i i don't need to be retired and you probably don't need to be retired to do something worth doing uh-huh. like that's 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 a very that that strikes me as a very silly way to behave um it may partially compromise it may push out retirement a couple of years that's probably worth it that's probably okay yeah yeah Anything else you want to cover before we wrap this thing up? I'm going to look at my notepad to make sure. All right. Whether you're a disciplinarian or not, you're still a very big fan of notes, so. Well, sometimes I just need to get loosened up. That's why I had a little bit of scotch at the beginning of this, you know, to, like, come out of my shell a little bit. But, no, I I think that that's everything that we needed to talk about here. Okay. Well, Matt... Congratulations on being back on the machination log. And back in society. <laughs> You're only a week into that. Let's let's not move too yeah, fast. Yeah, as, you, as I said, we can't declare victory just yet. Yeah. <laughs> the so, so for now I'm back in the podcast. Yeah, you've won a, you've you've had a couple of hard won battles. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully the war will if not subside, it'll at least push a little bit back that way. Yeah. I'm hopeful. So Well thanks, David. <laughs> Good morning, everyone.